Hey, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, we're talking ADD and ADHD. Now, what's interesting about this topic, you know, we use one simple acronym to describe a variety of issues, which range from almost the humorous absent-mindedness of a person to serious, emotionally crippling problems. What's up with that? You'll find out after the news on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Egypt's growing movement against President Mohamed Morsi was calm today, at least for the moment. Tanks and armed soldiers were deployed in Cairo around the presidential palace to stop protesters from trying to tear down the gates. Riots between those opposed to President Morsi and his supporters resulted in seven deaths and over 400 injuries over the last few days. On top of the public unrest, Moorsai's cabinet is also getting mixed up. Two top officials resigned amid harsh criticism of Moorsai's handling of ratifying a new constitution. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is meeting with her Russian equivalent and a top envoy from the U.N. to discuss the possibility of backing a transitional government in Syria. One of the top concerns worldwide is the growing threat that chemical warfare could break out as rebel forces continue to back regime President Bashir Assad into a corner. Top Syrian officials have assured no such weapons will be used, but rumors of mobilization of chemical warheads have been spreading. Russian officials previously opposed any measure that would depose the Assad regime, but could now be reconsidering. Apple CEO Tim Cook announced today that some Mac computer production will be moving to the U.S. In an interview with NBC's Brian Williams, Cook said that fans of the computer line would have to wait and see which versions will be manufactured in the U.S., but he did confirm that it would be an existing line. He also noted that while manufacturing the American product in the U.S. would be ideal, the decision to move was spurred on by recent criticism of worker working conditions in Chinese factories. The drought that plagued the Midwestern United States is continuing to push into the winter months, wreaking havoc on wheat crops and drying up major waterways. Last month tied for the warmest November in recorded history. With the warmer temperatures, new wheat crops are continuing to grow when they would normally slip into dormancy, meaning they will mature too early. The heat also evaporates water faster, leading important Mississippi River shipping lanes to drop to near-record low water levels. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program every day of the week. Actually, I guess Monday through Friday. We like to take weekends off to help you and your loved ones grow healthier lives. We want to give you some tools, a leg up on this thing we call the human experience. And so welcome to the program. You know, uh, you know, being human is hard. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's not easy to be human. As I look at my humans around me... Uh, I just laugh. I don't know why. I just laugh. But it's hard. And so what we want to do on the show is give you some tools, some ideas, some skills. And today we are going to take on a topic that I think uh, needs to be addressed. You hear people just kind of flippantly throw out this phrase. Oh, yeah, he's just ADD. He's going ADD or whatever. 
that uh, is not appropriate. We probably shouldn't be tossing around a medical clinical diagnosis like ADD. Some people uh, don't know what ADD is. Some don't know what ADHD is. Some think they've got it and they probably don't. Some are probably being treated for it and they actually don't have it. So on the show today, we are going to be talking to an expert, Dr. Charles Parker, who's going to help us kind of sort through the myths, the realities of ADD. If you think it's a it's a potential problem or if you know it's an issue in your family, make sure you uh, be listening to us. Us as we go through this show today, because you know what? I think we're going to learn a lot together. We've got a lot of questions here. I think sometimes I'm just forgetful, but is that ADD? Uh, yeah, Skyboy says absolutely. So before we go there, we're going to go to the human headlines and get into the news and try to learn from other humans. In this segment, we like to learn about the good, the bad, the ugly. We try to take the leads from those healthy, uh, wonderful humans that we could all follow and try to avoid some of the mistakes that other humans are making. So, who's got some news for us today? Did you hear? I just sounded like Ethel Merman. Is that her name? The singer. Is she the one who was wow. in it, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World and played the mother-in-law? I don't know. Sylvester! Maybe. It's, come on, it's a great movie. I gotta check that out. I don't out. know, but I want to hear wanna... that impression more. <laughs> Sylvester! Just, is, is that the only one you know? Oh, it's a fantastic movie where they have to dig up the money under buried under the big W. I don't, I don't know. That. I watched Jonathan that movie. Winters, Buddy Hackett. <laughs> we'll, we'll investigate. Milton Burrow. <laughs> Let's send an investigative reporter after that one. Madison, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying that. I watched that movie and my reaction was not as positive as Rob's was. <laughs> it's my favorite movie. Is it really? really? Yeah, it, of all time. It's yeah. It's I think it's twenty five oh, years older than I am. Have but you seen yeah. the sound Fantastic. of music? Rob? <laughs> that was kind of boring. The what? Wizard of Oz. Have you seen that one? <laughs> no, 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 no. Sound of music was a little scary. They're classics. Hills are alive. Hills. The alive are alive. That's terrifying. They're huge. No. Well, they are huge. Hills are big. In fact, we're going to get into that because I've got something that's even bigger than the Alps that we're going to talk about. Wow, wow. And let's just say it involves a toy. Hmm. Okay, I'm going there. Don't even try to segue it. We're there. <laughs> what? How high can a Lego tower be built before it collapses down on the bottom Lego? Two and a half feet. Wrong. Anybody else? How about, how about eight and a half miles? Wow. I don't know. No. No? Okay. But that was a really good guess. I'm like, are you looking at my paper? Wait, really? Because like, I was thinking miles, too. So like 10 it's miles. miles. It's miles. It's miles. Miles high. Two and a half, 2.17 miles tall. Wait, say that number you, again. 2.17 miles tall. Wow. That's how high you can build a Lego tower before it falls in and collapses the bottom. How Lego. do you get to the top? Well, you shimmy. <laughs> Good question, Catherine. Okay. And I appreciate you asking. You're welcome. Because a lot of people are thinking it, but they're not asking it. You shimmy. You shimmy up the Lego tower. <laughs> and then you shimmy down. The hard part was they had to put the tape measure at the bottom, but somebody had to shimmy that up that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it gets windy up there. Really windy. 2.17 miles. Guess how many bricks that is? If the bricks are two by two, by a Lego width. <laughs> is that is that in a, a real? That's a, yeah, that's a, a that's real an actual ma- technical it's a, uh, like cubits and yeah, and cubits and furlongs Lego, and Lego widths. Yeah. Lego widths <laughs> and NLW. Mm-hmm. NLW. Three thousand three hundred seventy-five thousand bricks. 
to go two and a half mile, 2.17 miles. So one toddler's, you know, big Tupperware. It would you know, take a few box of, of it. It would take a few of those. Okay, one and a half. Yeah, probably one and my and house. Okay. If everyone donated there, you'd probably be a mile up. Okay, there. but how wide is this tower? Like, is it just it's two like by two. one? No, oh. it's two by two, two inches by two inches, by a cubit. By a no, no, Lego no. Like, how leg. many Legos wide? No, is this two, tower by two, by two, by two, by two, by two? That's it. That's just it's one Lego. It's not like so. A, they're just stacking the little two by two yeah. Lego squares on top. Well, of Well, let's other. be really clear, everybody. You know, they didn't actually build the tower. They used science. But now you actually have to build it to see if it's possible. Yeah, but I don't know that you could actually build a Lego tower two and a half miles high. Toddlers of the world can get on that in like 15 minutes. let's be real. Because there's a boy in my church. I I used to be in charge of the nursery. I wasn't in charge of it. Actually, my wife was in charge of it. And they thought it was the safest place for me to be in the building. But I was with all the other kids and my wife and some other couples. And our job was to just play with these little two-year-old, three-year-old kids for – um, what well, seemed like hours, weeks even, but it was just really an hour and a half, probably two hours. And I would build a tower and I, a Lego tower every Sunday. And I could never get my Lego tower over about three feet if a little boy named Carter was in the room. So if Carter's in the room, I can't name his last name because I don't want anyone, I don't want the press. You don't chasing want to him down. besmirch his name? No, this okay. boy's only five now. He's trying, you know, he wants a life. He, I don't he's making his him. mark on the world. He's and been, oh, this. So he, the minute I start building the tower, he'd look up, like, and then lick his, he'd always lick his chops. He'd lick his lips, like, anticipation. Uh-huh. And then he'd sprint across the room. <laughs> yeah, true story. Then we tased him, shut him right up. He never did it again. <laughs> poor little, poor little Carter. No, he, we never did tase the cute boy, but. So when the, when I read this, how high, how tall could a Lego tower get before self-destructing? Carter in the room, three and a half feet. Carter not in the room, 2.17 miles. Hmm. And now we know. And now you know. So the rest of you can relax. Now, Skyboy asked me a Lego question uh, while we were talking today. I don't recall this. Well, you but... did. And um, Skyboy doesn't care how tall it can go. He just wanted to know how many Legos he could eat before getting sick. How it's many could I eat? Seven. Seven. You know, Skyler does like to eat. Oh, that guy. I do like to eat. Just pound it. Away. it. In fact, we right here, right before he was eating, right in front of me. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Have you guys seen He wasn't the... eating. He wasn't, by, just to be clear, for BYU Broadcasting Management, he was not <laughs> eating anywhere near the room, the engineer, the room where we, the studio where we performed the show. <laughs> no. Right. He was eating outside the glass, looking in, like a zoo. It wasn't outside the glass, but... I wasn't in help you. Okay, okay. Sky boy. Okay. Do you, do you want your job? Do you, it was out in the hallway. We're trying, to, we're trying to keep it safe, all right? <sighs> anyway, that's just some news. Thought you'd want to know that. Anybody else got some news that could maybe, I don't know, trump the Lego Tower? New stunning aerial photography of mm. the Earth. Yes. At night. By the way, could you see the tower? Um, <laughs> no, because it's only two squares by two squares wide, and that's less than one meter imagery. So okay. your, your tower would have to be one meter by one I, meter. I failed, to, I failed to announce this, though. But that height is the higher than the tallest mountain in Spain. And it is about the same height at which people are skiing in the Alps. Okay. Like the Spain thing? Is Spain known for its tall mountains? No. <laughs> well, didn't they, they, had, they had an Olympics. Oh, that was a summer Olympics in Barcelona, wasn't it? Anyway, they had an Olympics there. <laughs> it's like random statistic. Yeah. This so, well, fascinating okay. nighttime aerial photography. Uh-huh. So think Google Earth. But at night, yes, Google it's cool dark. because it shows everywhere where human beings are 
Oh, by the, the lights? Like generating the, yes. heat, generating light. I like those. I've seen those. But there was a mystery. Why, in the middle of the uh, Australian outback, are there huge areas of light equal to the size of Sydney? Kangaroos. No? Kangaroos, they do. They they gather at night in circles in the Serengeti. Is that not? Is that? Where? That's no that's broad in continent. Uh, in Australia, they gather right there. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Turns out, and I I didn't know this, there are giant perpetual wildfires in the outback all really? the time. Really? And so yeah, a lot of some of the largest splotches of light are fires. Might not even be human caused to begin with. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. You'd think that they would run out of things to burn if they're always going. Yeah, no. Know? Hmm. It's a big place. Wow. That'd okay. be kind of crazy like you Which go. is, again, why we shouldn't smoke in Australia. Yeah. Start a fire. That's, that's the only reason, right? One, one other interesting <laughs> thing, too. Uh, areas, uh, when some of this imagery was taken, was post-Hurricane Sandy, and there are large areas of the Northeast that should be lit up that are black. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I like. Th- cool. Okay, that's a cool picture. Have you seen the ones where that? Where is? That? I guess that is Google Earth, and you can see um, at Christmas. Well, when is it? They do it every year where they have everybody turn their their lights off. Mm. They have a day, a night when they have this big conservation movement, and everyone's supposed to turn their lights off. For Sounds familiar. Like a, an hour or two, and at night, and we're supposed to shut down the country. And then they show pictures. Are you making this up? No, true story. Catherine's seen it. I've no. never heard of this. A lot of people that read, um, like Catherine read. and I, we, <laughs> we, uh, we know these things. No, I've done it in my family, too. It's like cool. where you just shut the lights off and you kind of... I think it's around. It's in, it's in the winter, I think. It's like I, the I think it year. is in the winter because that's it's when we cool. use the most light at yeah. nighttime. So. Now I feel like a real jerk because I never turn my lights off in the wintertime <laughs> and I'm one of those people who's ruining it for everybody You're else. <laughs> You're the one that makes that big light. Way to go, Rob. Now, and so, Skyboy, when that happens, make a lunch so you can eat and you don't have to turn your lights on and get some dinner. Okay. Just pack a lunch. Okay. Just, Just All trying right. to help you. <laughs> what else? What else? Anybody else got some news for us? Well, speaking of guys that eat a lot, <laughs> <laughs> there is this football team in Fremont, California, the you know, or what is it called? The California School of the Deaf that won a league championship. But not just a deaf league. No, just like a regular. A regular league. Yeah. And they're the deaf team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they. How interesting Yeah. Is it's that? really cool because, you know, a lot of times I actually grew up in an area right around there. And I actually know one or two of the kids that are on the team. But um, because, you know, they. Like a lot of times, some people that aren't really educated about deaf culture, they just kind of think, oh, it's a disability. Right. They're so You weak. know, yeah. yeah. Well, like how could they be able to do that? But really, it's it was an advantage for them because they could talk to their team players with, you know, hand signals because, you know, that's sign language. That's well, that's – and you can do audibles. I mean, imagine how much better you could audible if – but how do you talk to your line? How does the center know when to snap the ball? Tap, tap. And like how do they – yeah. I guess – Yeah. And you how do you talk to your line? Way, I guess. Maybe they that, feel a sense. I don't know. Maybe that's a fast. Okay, they're my hero of the day. They're What's really the name cool. of their team? Um, Do you remember? Just the university. Uh, university. Sorry, why am I saying this? I'm thinking UC, whatever. But it's the California School of the Deaf. Oh, okay, California School of the Deaf. 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 What did I say? Deaf. Deaf. <laughs> that's a different school. <laughs> that is a different school. Those guys, man. They, 
they're so they're useless. They're dead. Um, Calis, California I heard that one school was a real party school of the dead. <laughs> they're my heroes. Heroes of the day. That is so neat. Yeah. I mean, really, I want to learn more about that. Mm-hmm. I want to know cool. how you center the ball, how you know when it's time, how the how we can change an audible on the play. How do we do that? Okay, video. That's got to be on YouTube. Somebody check it up. You're going to check you it out. You want me to do that right now? Well, yeah. Okay. Let's just actually wrap up this segment. Then you can do that. Okay. Whatever you want, Matt. <sighs> That's so cool. Catherine, do you want to tell us yours really fast? Your yeah, news? really quickly. Um, so there is a study going on and. Um, this group of researchers actually need your help. There's been lots of, and this is from, so we take pictures of the Earth from space. Well, now they've taken pictures of space, and they need people to help um, them identify different star clusters in um, pictures of space done by the Hubble telescope. And um, this group of researchers created an interactive website where people can go on and identify different star clusters in our solar system. So, oh, really? And And so this is like... This is like space Facebook, where we're connecting all these people together to go solve all the mysteries. Stars, stars. yep. That's a cool idea. It's like family search indexing, except now. (laughs) But you'd really have to have knowledge of how to do this, right? Because that seems like no. Actually, they teach people how to identify the different clusters on the website, and so all you have to do is log on, and And you can can just start doing it. Wow! Seriously, what's happening to this world? Look at how cool that is. Becoming better and better every day. We're going to need it because we're going to need to go out to outer space and start living. Hmm, I'm pretty sure. Um, Right. Good good stuff. Okay, human news. So if you see, humans are – we're not just bound by this earth. We're not bound by our disabilities. We're not bound by a Lego set, man. Your Lego set can go 2.17 miles into the air. Boom. We can change the world one Lego at a time. When we come back, we're going to get into ADD, ADHD. We're going to start trying to figure out how we uh, how we break this code, how we understand it better. Maybe it'll help us to maybe discriminate a little less against some of these people, understand it more. Now, when we come back, we're going to give you a phone number to call. If you have questions about ADD, ADHD, we're going to have you call in. It's number right now, 801-422-0143. If you call in with a question to Dr. Charles Parker, our guest, guess what? We're going to give you his book. So if you've got a question, be thinking and call us in 801-422-0143. Give us a call. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A satellite scanning the entire sky in infrared light has led to an atlas whose legacy will endure for decades. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. NASA recently released a new atlas and catalog of the entire infrared sky captured by the Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer mission, known commonly by the acronym WISE. The space telescope launched in late 2009 and spent much of 2010 mapping the sky at four infrared wavelengths of light. Instruments on the satellite were vastly more sensitive than previous sky mapping missions. By the time the WISE went into hibernation, it had collected more than 2.7 million images, capturing everything from nearby asteroids to distant galaxies. In all, the mission's team has processed more than 15 trillion bytes of returned data. The individual WISE exposures each covered an area of the sky about three times larger than a full moon. 
Now, the data has been used to create an atlas of more than 18,000 images and a catalog that lists the infrared properties of more than a half billion individual objects found in the images. Most of the objects are stars and galaxies, many which have never been seen before. To find out more about the mission and the infrared atlas, visit nasa.gov forward slash wise. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's just better to take things slow. So relax and enjoy the in-depth interview. Join Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. While we were gone, uh, Skyboys looked online for California School for the Deaf and found a really cool video about this team. I highly suggest you go look at it. It's just, it's so cool. A team of uh, football players, I am assuming all deaf, and uh, it's pretty neat. Or hard of hearing. Or hard of hearing. Um, there is a difference, actually, yeah. but all everyone uses sign language, so it's But just cool. to see, oh, it's fascinating. Okay, anyway, why we bring that up? Uh, because you don't have to be... Uh, you don't have to be uh, what maybe your physiology might say you have to be. You don't have to be disabled, apparently, according to the California School for the Deaf, and you don't have to be incapable of playing football just because you can't hear. And if that's the case, then maybe it's also true that you don't have to be, you know, have a life of lack of productivity and a lack of effectiveness simply because you've been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. So Catherine's here with us. So Catherine, apparently there's some famous people who have have been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. Well, I guess we can start off with sports figures. Yes. Michael Phelps. He Big, has ADHD. Tall Michael Phelps with fish. What do they call with um, with webbed feet. webbed feet and webbed hands? <laughs> that guy has ADD. Yeah, that's he does. Amazing. Okay, he was diagnosed when he was nine, and um, that's when he started to take medical stimulants to help his ADHD. But as he got more and more involved in swimming, he actually um, used the swimming to help focus him, and so now he that's doesn't cool. require medication. Isn't that great? Well, we're going to talk to Doctor Parker about that because that's got to be one way around this. It, it can't be just only medicating for some. Maybe for some uh, something like. A sports event or an activity or music. I'll bet you a lot with music have ADD. Who else did you find? Um, I found some TV personalities like Ty Pennington. He's the star of ABC's Extreme um, Extreme Makeover yeah, Home Edition. Oh, yeah. And but he dropped out of college. Is that right? Yeah. He dropped out of college before he realized that he had ADHD. And his mom took him into the doctor after he dropped out. And that's when he realized. Sounds um, not right. Yeah. How hard would it be to go – was he a contractor or was he an actor? How did he get on that show? Do you know? I'm not sure. Because you're sitting in college thinking you should just be able to study and you can't study and you must think you're just a misfit because you can't get good grades. Then we go find out you've got ADD. 
Yeah. And what a life changer. Um, There are even successful business people. Um, So the founder of Kinko's, um, he had severe dyslexia and ADHD as a child. And um, he said that he couldn't read. But instead, he decided to learn directly from experience. And he said that's been very helpful as he's founded his company because it's more about working with people than it is about being able to read statistical There's got reports. to be a certain advantage to ADD or AD. I mean, because I, I'm assuming I'm assuming you can't focus, and our expert will teach us this. I mean, I know a lot of it is just the inability to do, like, executive functioning and things like that. But it seems like um, some things might be helpful to you, like the, the ability to kind of switch between things consistently, and it might create – I'm assuming you'd be more creative. I'm assuming I, – I know people that – get like a thousand emails uh, every other day. They get so many emails that um, it's it's got to be, I mean, it may be a blessing to be able to not have to focus or maybe a curse to never be able to get your email done. Perhaps even both. Um, there's another um, famous Olympian, um, Cami Gar- Garanto. And um, she was the captain of the U.S. women's ice hockey team when they won um, the Olympics um, took the gold in Japan in 1998. Yeah. And she actually said um, about her ADHD that it's affected me in a positive and negative ways. It's really my worst and best qualities wrapped into one. And I think that That's really does describe it. It's mm-hmm. your worst and best characteristic. It almost seems like a talent in a way. Like your talent can be your greatest advantage and your greatest disadvantage. Maybe you'd take it for, for, take it for granted. It's interesting. Wow. Who else? Who else have you got? Any others? Um, yeah. I've got, let's see, Howie Mandel, um, the host oh, really? of Deal or No Deal. He has other things, right? I, he always, I always hear about his OCD, like he can't shake hands. Yeah, he and... has OCD, yep. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got Justin Timberlake. Really? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Little Justin. Little Justin Timberlake. Little Justin. Okay, because yeah. uh, have you ever seen his Saturday Night Live dancing? With, with Jimmy Fallon? Oh, my heavens. The history of rap? Or... Oh, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. Fascinating. See, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> Who else you got? Um, we've got Glenn Beck as well. Glenn Beck. Are you serious? So, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, there you go. Uh, that explains his craziness. But it also, he's a, I mean, really, as far as being able to do a million things, that guy's doing a lot. <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's a big deal. Cool. Who else? Oh, who else? Uh, James Carville. Yeah. James okay. Carville. So, political pundit who helped um, Bill Clinton yeah. in 1992 win the election. Um, he says that. Yeah, politics helps him because you need to be hyper-focused and um, he needs to have his attention in lots of different things and needs to have a high energy level. So he uses it to his advantage as well. Well, yeah, you got to. I mean, what, what other choice do you have? I know. It's either be debilitated by it or use it for your advantage. And I was surprised at how many people on that list I actually recognized and uh-huh. said, oh, wow. And this is just who we know. Yeah, these are just people who've come out. Um, and said, yeah, I have ADHD. Some people have written books about it, how they've been able to cope. Cool. Tell me some um, myths. I know while you were researching all this stuff, you found some myths. I want to run some of these myths by Dr. Parker as well. Okay, so myths. Um, Sugar causes ADHD. Yeah, that's what you always hear. Yeah, don't give him sugar. He'll be bouncing off the walls. Yeah. But that's, I mean, maybe some kids bounce off walls with sugar, but that's not about ADD or ADHD. No, it's not. It's not hyperactivity. Okay, cool. Um, TV and video games. Well, yeah, that's a lead given. To we knew that. <laughs> no, that one's actually false. <laughs> yep, false again. Yep. Well, what are we going to blame if we can't ba- blame TV and video? Um, what we do need to blame is actually genetics. 
Oh, ADHD. Great. See, we're has always blaming the components. parents. <laughs> what did the parents do? It's not my fault. It's my parents. But it is genetics, right? It's our we're gene pool. We're handing these down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Any other myths? Um. So there's been floating around that food additives. So like you'd find in former Twinkies and that yes. kind of thing. Oh, um, that they also Twinkie. affect ADHD. And um, there's some controversy on that, but most people say there's no real correlation. Okay. So it's false. Catherine, you nailed it. That's cool. Now we just now I know. I you know, you don't have to judge these people. You can be successful with ADD. If you're out there struggling with ADD, this is your chance. Listen up. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're bringing on the expert, Dr. Charles Parker, who is uh, an author. He's he's really pretty much done it all. And he's going to help us try to kind of sort through all of this stuff, figure out what the real myths are, and start teaching us. If you have questions for Dr. Parker, give us a call, 801-422-0143, 801-422-0143. Give us a call. We'll get you on with your question, and we're also going to give you a free book if you give us a call. You listen to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Listen to New York Times number one best-selling authors Richard and Linda Iyer as they discuss the topic they've written 25 books about, parenting in the modern world. Listen to their tips on Iyer's on the Road, Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Political battle over the fiscal cliff continued today on Capitol Hill as Senate Republicans blocked a simple majority vote on the debt ceiling. Leaders from both parties have been scrambling to gain leverage in the debate over how to avoid the now imminent end-of-year tax hikes and budget cuts. President Barack Obama has been trying to win public support for his plan, which would raise taxes on the wealthy, while Republican Speaker of the House John Boehner has focused on trying to find ways to increase tax revenues without raising the overall tax rates. Thus far, neither side has been willing to compromise much in order to reach a deal. 61-year-old South Carolina Republican Senator Jim DeMint has announced his resignation from the Senate in order to take up a position as head of conservative think tank the Heritage Foundation. Governor Nikki Haley will be naming a successor who will then be up for re-election in 2014. DeMint has been in the spotlight lately for disagreeing with party leaders, though he is a staunch conservative. He was last re-elected in 2010 and before announcing his resignation said this would be his last term. Washington state has the world watching as it becomes the first U.S. state to officially legalize the recreational use of marijuana. A group of supporters gathered early this morning around the Space Needle in Seattle to light up in celebration. With the national statute still clearly outlawing the drug, there is still some confusion about what the future of Washington's law will be. On top of that still undecided battle, the Washington law also clearly outlines that pot can only be smoked in a personal residence and only one ounce can be carried at a time. Rules the Space Needle crowd seemed content to gloss over this morning. George Zimmerman, the man on trial for fatally shooting 17-year-old Trayvon Martin, is now suing NBC for editing the tape of his 911 call. 
The NBC portrayal made it seem as though Zimmerman pointed out that Martin was black without being prompted. An official release of the whole call has since disproven the NBC portrayal, and Zimmerman is suing for defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress. The amount of damages he is seeking has not yet been released. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're taking on ADD, ADHD. We're going to try to get real about it and figure out what's the myth, what are the not the myths, what's really going on. It seems like more and more and more people are being diagnosed with it, and we're bringing on our expert, Dr. Charles Parker. Dr. Parker is the author of a, a new ADHD medication rules, is the name of the book, uh, Brain Science and Common Sense. Um, and Dr. Charles has, a, has just a great history in this. He's a nationally recognized speaker. He's written some books, Deep Recovery, ADHD Medication Rules, uh, Core Psych Blog. He's a neuroscientist certified for SPECT brain imaging and practicing child and adult psychiatrist. He's been practicing for more than 43 years. Dr. Parker, appreciate you being on the show with us. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. You bet. And now to get started, we, we, uh, we're trying to get callers to call with some questions because there are so many questions out there. We have one caller on the line right now that I just want to go to right at the top of the show. Um, he's got a very good question that I think will get you into the question of what really is ADHD. So, Bob, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. This is Bob from Fowlerville, uh, and Fowlerville, Michigan, and you yep. got a question for us, Bob. What's your question for Dr. Parker? Yeah, I, I, I'm just interested um, if he could tell me, is um, ADD, ADHD uh, possible to be a causal effect in, uh, in uh, anxiety? So so from from having anxiety, is that what you're asking? From yeah. having anxiety, is that is yeah. that one of the byproducts, the effects? Hey, Bob, yeah. could I call you and ask you to ask me that question? Is that a question you get a lot, Dr. Parker? Oh, my gosh. Well, that's my favorite question. Is it? I mean, that's like, that's like you, you hit, he, hit it, he hit a home run. He just came up to the plate and hit it right out of the park. Because it seems like there's not a clear definition about ADD, ADHD. So Bob's question is, is it just a byproduct of people being anxious? Oh, no. Here's the thing. Let me fasten your seatbelt, Bob. Sounds like you're in the car. Here's, what, here's what's going on. The whole situation with ADHD right now, currently in 2012, is really in 52 pickup. Now, they don't talk about it much, but they're going through a whole new diagnostic coding system with the DSM-4, Diagnostic Statistical Manual 4. It's now been revised to 5, and I've been writing articles about it, and uh, I'm with some good company in this regard. And, you know, the chairman of the department, ex-chairman of the Department of Duke uh, Psychiatry. They're all Chairman of the Department of Stanford, uh, and the uh, preeminent psychopharmacologist, Stephen Stahl, nationally renowned, internationally renowned guy. Basically what these experts are saying, and I was so happy to see that they agreed with me, is we're not paying attention to the biology. We're really not looking deeply into what's actually going on with ADHD. And as a result of that, what we're doing is we're diagnosing it by what I really call appearances. 
Just so, yeah, like but so meaning you're not getting in and checking out the brain. You're just yeah. taking the symptoms. Yeah, the brain or the body or what the causal factors are. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. So as you said when uh, you were talking, I think Catherine was talking about sugar and yeah. you know if a kid's hopping around, absolutely meets the criteria for ADHD. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't meet the criteria for ADHD in the sense that it's time limited and it's directly related to sugar. Interesting. Yeah. So what happens is we have to think about this whole situation far more specifically because if we really continue to label people, I think the public actually knows this, Matt. Yeah, I do too. You, as a clinician, know this yourself. I mean, this is not news. This is old news. And so what's going on? People are frustrated. Why, why, why do I want to go to a doctor who is going to judge me on how I look and how I appear and maybe how I ask a couple of questions about how I look at butterflies and somehow decide <laughs> that I need to be medicated, medicated for that? Well, and medicated with speed, right, with amphetamine. Yeah. I mean, of all things, give you well, some it's... Benadryl, but don't give you <laughs> speed. I mean, well, I get the it. We, are, the, product, yeah. the speed products, and I'm going to switch hats real quickly. Yeah. The speed products are very, very good. What goes on right. is that because we don't have the diagnosis right in the first place, using the medications becomes the quintessential 52 pickup because if you don't have a target that you know that you're shooting at, I mean, this is not like bottles on a fence. Right. There are no bottles on the fence. I call it shooting geese at night. <laughs> Without them honking. No, they can honk, but you're still blasting <laughs> you're still, away. You don't, still don't have a view, do you? You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, there's something up there, but I don't know what it is, but let me take a shot. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that, that's not that's medicine. That's going on. And so what happens is I'm a very strong advocate, having done brain scans since 2003, with the preeminent thought leader on brain scans in the country, the guy that is really the Christopher Columbus on on brain neurophysiology applied in office practice. Who is that? Daniel Amen out in Dr. Amen. California. Absolutely. He's a great guy. We had four years with Dr. Amen. I opened his office in DC and we saw thousands of scans hmm. up there. And and what happens what's really cool about that experience and what's a life changing experience for me as a guy, uh, you know, trying to get it right, is I'm in the office and you're actually showing the human being their brain their brain function, mm. not, a brain, not a picture of their brain in static, but what it does under these circumstances and what it does under these circumstances. Does it? Let's go back to Bob's question in Fowlerville, uh, Michigan. Bob, uh, yeah. so his question was, your question was about, is it tied to, is it kind of the causal for anxiety? I guess, are there some right. parts, uh, Dr. Parker, are there some parts of um of ADD that are maybe more driven by a part of the brain where anxiety or anxiousness resides? Matt, thanks so much for the segue. What I was trying to do is build the foundation for the answer to the question. Okay, you're still getting it, because I'm sitting here, Bob's like, needs to know. We don't want to make anyone anxious here. Yeah, I get a little excited about the answer. Okay, (laughs) so here's the deal. What happens with people, with human beings, is the prefrontal cortex manages your reaction to changing reality. The very first thing that they make a mistake on when they're using labels, when anybody uses a label on another human being, is that they're starting to think reductionistically and overly simplistically. Right. That's all that person is. Yes, it's efficient. And ADHD is one of the most complex presentations out there. I wrote a post uh, about 
uh, two years ago, documenting 179 medical conditions that can cause the appearance of ADHD. Hmm. So let's go back to it. So well, let's, yeah. So no, and then we just throw medicine at question. it. So you got the prefrontal cortex. So what 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 really is brain function? What's the situation with brain function? When Matt, Bob, when our brains are working right in reality, we have to adjust to changing reality. And if we adjust well, we see what the problem is, we fix it, and we carry that answer into the next day. That's a quick summary of what working memory is all about. We, we see now, the problem, we fix it, and then we carry the memory of it. Yeah. Okay. Dogs and cats don't do that. That's, that's the higher functioning That's animal. the higher functioning yeah. part of the brain. So what happens is when we actually do that, we then successfully adjust our relationship to changing reality, hmm. and we can become more predictive, and we can gradually learn to manage the change that takes place in our lives, all of our lives. Yeah. So then back to it. So... When that, when that part of the brain, that working memory, becomes desynchronized, here's the answer, Bob. When, the, when that part of the brain becomes desynchronized, there are three main things that can happen, and I cover these very explicitly in new ADHD medication rules, and that is they can act without thinking. Okay. That's desynchronization. It's not thinking and acting in sequence. It's acting without thinking. Mm. Now, that impulsivity can be ADHD even though it's not hyperactivity. Yeah, they're not yeah. they're not hyperactive. They're just kind of they're just they're, reactive. They're, they're not in sync with reality. Okay. Bottom line. Then you go to the next one and here's your answer, Bob. And this is the one that's not in the book. It's in my book, but it's not in the diagnostic manual. This is missed by millions of people. Uh, whoever's getting treated is frequently missed. Now, we have so many second opinions. Right. I say millions. That's a, I mean, I, I don't know how many people actually suffer with ADHD. I don't have that number right in my head. I swear I but heard 17 million plus. It's, it's, it's missed. This thing I'm about to tell you is missed all of the time, all of the time. And, what, and I hate categorical remarks, but I just made one. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but the bottom but at least is, you recognized it. Yeah, right. I'm working on myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's the, here's the thing, Bob. Thinking, thinking, thinking without acting is desynchronization. An unmanageable cognitive abundance. A couple of different things you can think about. Kind of an advanced case of brain spaghetti. <laughs> now, that isn't in the book. So thinking, but, but then not doing, you're saying, is another absolutely. form that of is ADD. desynchronization of the prefrontal cortex and responds very well to stimulant medications that we were talking about a moment right. ago because the stimulant medications actually facilitate the neurotransmission in the prefrontal cortex. Interesting. So, that, so it's what's going on with that working memory when it's not working, yeah. when you actually look at the brains, they're hypofunctioning. They're under-functioning, and when you give them a stimulant, they refunction correctly again. Mm. So that's then the third one, which is also not in the book. In the book, it's called avoidant personality. Now, avoidant personality is considered to be a personality disorder. They're not looking at the biology of avoidance. Right. 
But I'm going to tell you what the biology of avoidance is in most of the people I see who have very significant avoidance, and that is I'm not going to think, I'm not going to act, I'll get to you in a minute, give me a break, I'm thinking about, <laughs> not right now, give me, delay, delay, procrastinate, yeah. procrastinate. And there are two forms of procrastination. This is a key point, because somebody says, I don't procrastinate. Yeah. All right, there's two forms. There's starting and finishing. Oh, yeah. and, there are, and then there's the other form, which is starting and finishing. They can't do either one of them. But the bottom line is we see a lot of executives. This was, came up in your conversation earlier, Matt, with Catherine. Mm-hmm. A lot of executives who are very high-functioning, who finish very, very well, but have tremendous difficulties jumping through the eye of the needle to get it started, get it underway. Oh, Once yes, they get yeah. underway, it's great. Once they get in way, it's great shape. We see people who are in over their heads with executive responsibilities because they know that they're not able to keep up with the variables unless the sword of Damocles is right on their neck. Lay <laughs> Tons of pressure. That's it. And then they're like, oh. bring it on, baby. <laughs> now I can. And then they nail it, don't they? Yeah, right. Because yeah. most of these people are so smart. And what happens is being intelligent is a handicap totally. with this situation. Because I tell many, many people, I'm obviously joking about it, I see a lot of bright people, thank goodness. It's a lot of fun talking to them. I tell, I tell them uniformly somewhere along the line, you'd be in much better shape if you were stupid. Yeah, well, because yeah, I guess you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't get as in as deep. You wouldn't be thinking about all the variables. Right. There's not that many variables if you're not intelligent. Yeah, there's like two. <laughs> yeah, like S- stop or, or start. Do it. <laughs> yeah. You're back down towards the lower level of functioning. This is not a big deal. I just need to eat and sleep. I'll talk to you later. So, so this is a this this is pretty. It's important as I look at this. Um, it also seems like some of this could even be interpreted as anxiety because they never finish, like they're afraid to, or they never start because they're thinking too much. Or well, let me br- yeah, let me break that. Let me take yeah. that word anxiety and tease it apart because what's going on, and this is why it gets missed so often. Cognitive thinking anxiety is not on anybody's radar, except in the sense of OCD. Now, OCD is a cognitive thinking but they have a very specific set of circumstances going on. But the unmanageable cognitive abundance, the worrying and fretting and getting behind and spinning your wheels and complete inefficiency, it, cognitive anxiety is not in the book. Affective anxiety, feeling nervous, coming down somatically in your chest, your stomach. Yeah, tense. <sighs> that is, that's the anxiety that everybody thinks about. So what happens right. is, and this is a key point, in terms of treatment, I don't know if Bob. This is a. Per- I don't know if Bob's still on. But yeah, he is. Just, Bob, are yeah. you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, Bob. I mean, I don't know if you were asking because you were a family member or somebody got treated. But what happens so often is a person can get identified as being anxious. Somebody may uh-huh. say, "Well, you seem kind of anxious." <clears throat> the primary, main, agreed upon treatment for anxiety with the American Psychiatric Association is selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, bar none. OCD all the way up to full-blown affective anxiety. How do I know that? We've been doing, we've been, we've known that for years. This is, ask any psychiatrist, they'll tell you the same thing. It's a standard of care. But here's the key wrinkle, and I cover this thoroughly in the book. 
if a person has a dopamine-related cognitive problem with working, working memory and thinking cognition issues, and you give them a serotonergic product for a dopamine problem, what happens is the dopamine goes even further into a bigger problem, and actually because serotonin downregulates dopamine, and so what happens, you have less dopamine, and the serotonergic problem can cause them to rip, bust out. And the first thing the person says is, you're really crazy, you're bipolar. Oh, great. And then you got that diagnosis to deal with. Yeah. Oh, so, hey, man. I see this happen all the time. I bet you do. You were anxious, Bob's point, you were anxious, you got a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. My least favorite medication there is Prozac. Yeah. It's Highly prescribed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's written by everybody yeah. because it's the old drug that worked. We all got to know it. I used to be the Prozac kid here in Tidewater a long time ago. But <laughs> the bottom line on the whole thing is if you give a selective serotonin product to a person that has ADD, which is a dopamine-related problem, you aggravate the impulsivity. You dysregulate even further the working activity of that prefrontal cortex. Judgment goes out the window. Yeah. And they can get psychotic. Oh, see, uh, Dr. Parker, we got to take a break. Complicated. This is the point, I guess. It's this complicated, and you're kind of you're on the front the front line of this. I guess trying to create a movement for the doctors. So when we come back, we are gonna we're gonna keep talking to Dr. Parker. Um, he's Dr. Charles Parker is the author of some a great new book uh, that's out. What's the name of the book, Doc? New oh. ADHD medication rules. There you go. New ADHD medication rules. And appreciate uh, Bob for hanging on and asking that question and hanging on with us. Um, Bob, hang on through the break. We'll get your name and number so we can send you a book. Anybody else out there, if you have a question for Dr. Parker, uh, this is your chance. Thank you, Bob. This is your chance. Give us a call. Anything on ADD, ADHD, 801-422-0143, 801-422-0143. Give us a call. We'll get you on the phone here with uh, Dr. Parker, and we will also get you a copy of one of his books. He's willingly, carefully, and uh, just so, I guess, what's the word? Anticipatorily gave us these books to give away. We appreciate you. Uh, Give us a call, 801-422-0143. Understanding ADD and ADHD right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Google's latest special project will give consumers powers Superman couldn't dream of. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. You know the nerds have won when everybody is suddenly desperate to wear glasses, even with perfect vision. These glasses are a different kind of prescription, though. The Google Glasses Project aims to create a new way for humans to see and interact with their world using virtual overlays projected into your line of sight from the special glasses. A demonstration video on Google's site shows how such augmented reality glasses could see what you're looking at with a built-in camera, then overlay Google information on that view. It could help you with everything from remembering the name that goes with a face to revealing the calories in that hot dog you're holding to helping you assemble your new furniture. 
even creating a way to text and video chat without walking into things. Futurists already predict new forms of entertainment where virtual worlds are superimposed on your real-world view, turning your daily dog walk into a dragon-slaying quest, for example, or virtually remodeling my office cube into bleacher seats at the ballgame. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning into Notes from the Kennedy Center. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking to Dr. Charles Parker, um, who is a nationally recognized speaker. Uh, uh, he's been a, a child and adult psychiatrist for more than 43 years, and he is an expert in ADD and ADHD. He wrote a book called The New ADHD Medication Rules, Paying Attention to the Meds for Paying Attention. Wow. Good. Uh, it's a great title. Dr. Uh, Dr. Parker, welcome back to the show with us. Thanks for having me, Matt. You bet. It. It, it's so enlightening. It really is because I just feel I feel we don't we don't get it. I mean, the general public doesn't get it. And it sounds like you and Dr. Amen, you know, you're on this cutting edge side of this where we're actually looking at the brain to decide how to treat the brain. I mean, I, I guess that's just because we finally had the technology catch up with us. That is what's going on. The the. Uh... The group out there that is not quite uh, technology accepted. I mean, it's sort of like when Galileo recognized that the Earth was not the center of the universe. Uh-huh. You know, it's, they, they wanted to kill him. They yeah. put his text in the index of forbidden books. <laughs> Get rid of him. You know, but he had a tool, yeah. and it was a telescope. And they didn't kill him, thank goodness. But he had a hard time of it because when you actually recognize what's going on with reality and people have certain belief systems that are not based on reality, not based on good science and hard science and good evidence, then what happens is people get lost in their dreams, and they want it to be the way they want it. Why? Because they really don't want to change. Change is difficult, and what I'm talking to you about, I'm doing everything I can to make it as simple as possible. Right. And I think there are a lot of uh, actually simple understandings that can take place. I've written the book for the public, because I think the public can get it. Yeah. I mean, the public that I see gets it, so I think the public out there, wherever they are, can get it. Right. And if they can get it, they can then take it to their docs and say, look, let's think about this a little different way here. We've got a lot of docs out there that do look for answers. There's no question about it. Yeah, it's, they really want to know. It, yeah. It's just, I, I, it, almost, um, it almost seems like they... I don't know. They're throwing it out there kind of with other diagnoses, um, fibromyalgia. I mean, is it getting like a bad reputation, like it's not real? Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. But again, this is because of the inaccuracy of what's going on. The mm-hmm. meds, this is a whole other subject I hope we do have time to get into, but the meds 
once the diagnosis thing, I was so glad that Bob asked the question. Yeah, that's a great question. Once you get past that thing like anxiety and avoidance and recognize there's a much broader biology that can be applied and understood and used, then the next level is if we're going to find the target, how do we scientifically, how do we use the best knowledge that we have about the pharmacology to shoot accurately, understand the trajectory, and hit the mark when we're shooting at it, as opposed to, I'm going to shoot at it, but I really don't know what happens. I don't know what kind of load I got. I don't know what kind of gun I got. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just, I've got, give me a gun, I'll take a shot. <laughs> well, it's so anti the scientific methodology. Like, it's really? like, why, I don't get why, why we're, I mean, I, I do, but it just seems like now you guys have this evidence. There's, you're pushing this agenda that's a healthy agenda to finally start scanning. We have the technology. It's probably in most hospitals, isn't it? No, the, the, the scanning is, is kind of a tight It's specialized. And, and yeah, it, it's specialized. It, it's available in some hospitals, but what you have there is the guy, the nuclear medicine guys, mm-hmm. don't know how to read a scan in a way that would be effective for psychiatry. That's one of the reasons I liked working with Eamon so much, yeah. because he really figured out the patterns that were useful. And what that experience with Eamon did is help me take it to the next level, which is really what I do every day now. We still do scan readings, but actually what's going on with scans is they are expensive. They're yeah. 3500 bucks to, to see two scans and get a reading, get a report. I think scans are very, very useful, and I love using scans. I'm going to continue to use scans. But I think the quick evolution of what's going on in the field of neurophysiology is using uh, very easily available lower-cost tests to see what's going on on a molecular and cellular level. I love it. And there, and there, and there are some really easy tests to do. Yeah. So. Well, and that's, I mean, and, I, mean that, I guess that's the key to this, is you've got to be efficient with it, too. But let's also get the diagnosis right. Uh, we're going to take another break here. Uh, Dr. Charles Parker, we're talking to Dr. Charles Parker. He wrote a book called The New ADHD Medication Rules, Paying Attention to the Meds for Paying Attention. And we're going to take a break. If you're out there listening, we have a, I have a question for you when we come back from one of our callers. If you are a listener and you want to uh, ask Dr. Parker a question, give us a call, 801 801- 422-0143. What do you want to know about ADD, ADHD, the medications that we take, diagnosis? We're trying to uncover it all. Give us a call right here on BYU Radio, 801-422-0143. We will be back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Opening a mysterious green book, careening through the aurora borealis, fending off an evil demon, defying the power of time, hidden strands of a magnificent story, my story actually, will finally all come together in Christmas Chronicles. Starting December 11th, we'll air daily episodes of The Christmas Chronicles at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is meeting with her Russian equivalent and a top envoy from the United Nations to discuss the possibility of backing a transitional government in Syria. One of the top concerns worldwide is the growing threat that chemical warfare could break out as rebel forces continue to back regime President Bashir Assad into a corner. Top Syrian officials have assured no such weapons will be used, but rumors of mobilization for chemical warheads have been spreading. Russian officials previously opposed any measure that would depose the Assad regime, but could now be reconsidering. Michigan State House Republicans have approved a right-to-work bill in an attempt to weaken labor union powers after Democrats walked out in protest. The move plans to ban mandatory union dues and sparked a swift gathering of outspoken protesters, some of whom even tried to rush past police barriers and voice their positions directly in the lawmakers' chamber. Authorities were forced to break out mace in order to disperse the angry crowds. Opponents say that turning Michigan into a right-to-work state will be harmful for the auto industry and education. Apple CEO Tim Cook announced today that some Mac computer production will be moving to the U.S. In an interview with NBC's Brian Williams, Cook said that fans of the computer line would have to wait and see which versions will be manufactured in the U.S., but he did confirm it would be an existing line. He also noted that while manufacturing the American product in the U.S. would be the ideal, the decision to move was spurred on by recent criticism of working conditions in Chinese factories. A carbon monoxide leak that sent almost 50 Atlanta students and teachers to the hospital has been blamed on human error. Officials say maintenance workers accidentally left a valve open on the school's boiler, which is what caused the leak. The school was evacuated Monday when firefighters arrived to investigate and discovered what they called the highest levels of the toxic gas they had ever seen. All of those affected were treated and released without any major health problems. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about ADD and ADHD. What does it really mean? Is it, you know, is it terminal? Are we going to lose you because of it? We're talking to an expert about it. Um, And also we're taking your calls. If you have questions for uh, Dr. Charles Parker, um, the uh, just a a great psychiatrist, the author of the book, New ADHD Medication Rules, Paying Attention to the Meds for Paying Attention. Will you give us a call uh, here at BYU Radio, 801-422-0143. If we get your uh, question on the air, we will give you a copy of one of his books. He's um, given us a couple books to hand out to those that are willing to call. So give us a call with your question, 801-422-0143. Before we bring Dr. uh, Parker back, I wanted to to talk about... um, a, a, a little uh, story that one of our producers did, you know, as you think about meetings, the time you spend at work or even just picking up the house, it's safe to say we all struggle with focus. The question is, when are we suffering from ADD or ADHD or when is it just life? Even among us adults, distraction is one of our favorite emotions. Not that we necessarily like getting distracted, but it just feels so satisfying. But it's always hard to know, do we have a problem or is this just life? 
I think about using the computer, and maybe this happens to you. I know this happens to me. Sitting there waiting for a website to load and then find myself opening a second web browser tab to look up another site while the first one loads. My favorite is Google Maps. Sometimes I'm just, I'll be in the middle of reading a news article or even writing this script today for the piece you're hearing right now, and I'll have this sudden impulse to look up aerial photography of a motorway north of Moscow. Why? I don't know. But I open up the web browser, type in Google Maps, and then as the computer takes the three or four seconds it needs to process my request, I find myself going back to check my email. And then check Facebook, which has a great link on the fiscal cliff, which I click on, and then I skim the first paragraph of the article. And then I get bored of the article and click back to Google Maps, but then I can't remember what I wanted to look up in the first place. You've got mail. So I just find myself aimlessly zooming in on a river and looking at boats and wondering where the boats park at night and lunch, the price of oil on the New York Mercantile Exchange. I don't know. All the while, my finger is still just sliding across the map, scrolling and scrolling, till pretty soon my eyes are skimming looking at an airport runway. And then I have to stop and ask myself, what am I doing? <laughs> I need to be working on the script for the show. So filled with guilt, I click back on Microsoft Word and start typing again. But then almost immediately, I have this desire, oh, I need to check my email. And I have to be careful because if I indulge that impulse, the entire distraction cycle starts all over again. Does that happen to you? Now, of course, maybe in your case, it feels more like this. It's Saturday morning. You wake up. You're planning to fix breakfast, but that's right after you run over to the home improvement store because you need to buy a light fixture because the one in the hallway broke. But first, you remember, you need to run outside and disconnect and wind up the garden hoses before the cold weather hits and really take a look at them to make sure, you know, whether you need to replace any of them. And you run outside, hair still a mess. You haven't had a chance to comb it yet. And you find that the hose is just corroded on. You need to get pliers or something to get it off. So you run over to the garage. And as you open the door, you find the garage door didn't close all the way last night. So you start clicking that button, the little doorbell button. Find the opener's dead. Something must have tripped the fuse because there's no lights in the garage. So you start to walk over to the back of the house to take a look at the circuit breaker panel. Only to find the dog made a mess in the hallway. So you have to run over to the kitchen and grab some paper towels and some cleaner. And right as you walk in the kitchen, your cell phone rings. Neighbor calling to say that teenagers pulled an overnight prank and they drove over your mailbox. It's in pretty much the entire neighborhood's mailbox. Oh, great. So you go out your front door to go check it out. Sure enough, your box is gone and your neighbor's box. And she's running over with the police department on her phone. Oh, you need to stick around. An officer wants to take a statement from you. So you're standing there all morning till they can drive over. And then when it wraps up, you get paged into work. So you jump in your car and take off and realize literally nothing you wanted to get done that day got done. Literal distraction or digital distraction. My question is, at what point is it ADD or ADHD? And at what point is it just life? Great question, Rob. A question I think a lot of people uh, are wondering. So let's go to our expert 
Dr. Charles Parker, the author of the new ADHD medication rules, paying attention to the meds for paying attention. Dr. Parker, did you hear the question there? Absolutely. I love the question. And even as he formed the question the first time without the examples and the rest of it that followed, I was like right on it because it was so, we see this so frequently and it's really another one of the reasons I wrote the book because what I'm about to tell you has to do with the relationship between time and ADD. It's going to sound deep, but it's not that deep. Okay. What happens is if a person's maladaptive with that working memory over time, they have a problem. So if they over time can't do it. It's over time. So, for example, and reset. if Rob ran around and did a bunch of things that were all calling for attention, that doesn't make him a person that has attention uh, problems. But if he is so encumbered by being attracted to things that are distracting that he can't get done what he needs to get mm. done, over time he does have a problem. So the original question was posed, is it a life circumstance or does he have a problem? And what I wanted to do is make sure everybody listening understands that it can be both, okay? Because what goes on with ADHD is that it frequently is uh, significantly developed and and mushrooms in the context of life circumstances changing. But I said a moment ago, I was going quickly on the working memory thing. Right. Increased variables, decreased structure, no clear focus, a person can get lost. And if they get lost on any minor change that has those different increased, uh, increased variables, decreased structure, no clear focus, if they do that on a regular basis, they're, they're really kind of developmentally arrested. Right. Because they can't deal with reality. Now, they're not psychotic. No. They're just they're not just progressing. Not, they're just inefficient. Yeah. And that inefficiency is a pattern that can be exceedingly shame-based, painful, and humiliating. In fact, let's talk and, about that, Doc, because I, we have two callers on the line. Uh, well, one, uh, one wants us to just ask the question. It's Gino uh, from Idaho. His okay. daughter was just diagnosed um, with AD. I guess they, they didn't say specifically, but ADD or ADHD. Yeah, some, yeah, but um, he's, he's wondering if he has it too. I mean, is it a, it is a genetic thing. We've kind of talked about that a little 70, bit. But he also wants to know, he's not, he really does not want this diagnosis. He's not excited about it. He doesn't yeah. like it, and he doesn't want to take meds. Well, sorry I interrupted you. I get a little excited about the answer there because the bottom line is he's, you know, it's 70% likely that one of the parents has it. If a child has it, the... Heritability index in the literature is 70% that one parent has it. So that's not necessarily him, but the genetic percentages are exceedingly high. And if, uh, if both parents have it, then the possibility of the child having it is, uh, and I don't have the number right in here, but it's like 90%, something like that. So it's, it's, it's a very high number. Now, so, so if adults don't... Are, oh, go ahead. No, please, go ahead. Where are you I was going to say, if adults don't get it diagnosed, this is what I see in my practice a lot. People will come in 50 years old. A lot of the signs I see just are screaming ADD as an adult, yeah. but they've never been diagnosed. So uh-huh. I send them off to get diagnosed, and now I'm realizing there's really nowhere that knows. And uh-huh. people are just throwing meds at them and, or diagnoses that they, don't, they haven't really searched through like you do. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's important that parents 
get diagnosed so that we can at least educate and inform our kids. I mean, well, th- I think the resistance that he's experiencing mm-hmm. is exactly what we were talking about on this this super program. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on and the questions you you're asking because basically this is important for people to know that there are options and there is some hope if you think more explicitly about it what is going on in the adult population almost uniformly i mean there are some exceptions right but what's going on in the adult population that gets missed they frequently have the thinking without acting and the i'm not going to think i'm not going to act it happens all the time yeah. we just did an evaluation on a new patient this afternoon before before this program and uh... he he got promoted he told me in the first two sentences that he'd been promoted about uh... two months ago wow. so when a person gets promoted what happens they're entering a, new, a different reality yeah now you gotta start learning and producing and it's all new increased variables decreased structure no yeah. clear focus uh-huh. and if you're in charge you know how it is matt yeah. you're probably seriously in charge where you are oh, if geez. you're in charge you don't have a lot of people no. to necessarily process stuff with you. There are certain things you're going to have to say, this is what we need to do, gang. That's right. And if you're not sure about who you are or what the boundaries are, you get into a management position after you've been kind of a no, no disrespect kind of a line officer, factory worker person in a very structured situation. Mm-hmm. You go into a management, you're over your head immediately. Right. And, in fact, Freud wrote a paper about this in post-Victorian Vienna that I spent... Uh, some considerable time on in my book uh, called "Those Wrecked by Success." <laughs> they, and, they, yeah, they get they, they get the promotion, and then it puts them into this realm of proving their own, you know, disorder or proving their own well, they just, issue. Yeah, they just get, they just get overwhelmed. This was the point we were talking about: life changes. People can't adjust to life changes. Mm. Over time, they deteriorate under the change that life brings them. This is why marriages, you're, you're a marriage expert, yeah. a relationship guy. Yeah. And you see this oh. all the time when a one person in the marriage, husband or wife, is developing in their ability to manage reality, but the other person is dealing with a fixed level of reality. Totally true. And, and then what happens is the one person has a different efficiency in how they're managing their lives versus mm-hmm. the other person, and there's a discontinuity because... One can't understand what the other is doing, and they they actually emotionally feel the separation, right? As well as cognitively experience the, sep- the separation, because so many people who have these marital discord problems are in fact cognitively dependent, cognitively dependent, not emotionally dependent. Right, right, and then <laughs> it becomes like a moral issue, doesn't place, it? They need their they need their partner to help math. Yeah. Well, I mean, then it becomes a liar. You're such a liar. And, and it becomes like they're trying to do this or they're just being immoral because they're not remembering to tell their partner or something. But in reality, it's a it's a medical issue. It's a clinical issue. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so, we, I got a yeah. caller I want to take here. Okay, uh, sure. This is David in southern Utah. David, are you with us? I am. Thanks for hanging on, my friend. What's your I'm question? From for, Linden, but I'm just driving in southern Utah right now. But my question is. Is there any correlation between dietary choices that people make or even um, immunizations that has anything to do with ADHD or, or, um, or that type of thing? Great question. Yeah, well, 
the immunization thing is pretty much up for grabs, but my own experience clinically and with really hundreds of people that I've seen at autism and developmental delay conferences, Asperger's and so on, there is some correlation. Everybody's debating about what the literature says and whether that whether those vaccines cause problems, but uh, we've just heard it in our offices from numerous people. They got a vaccine and they be, and they had significant deterioration. So, hmm. vaccines can be a problem. But what I'm telling you is the jury is out in terms of exactly the subgroup and why it happens. Nobody knows that. So right now it's in considerable hot dispute. What about dietary? Yeah, dietary is the one that's absolutely not in dispute. And what we've done a lot of work on, as I was referring to some of the testing that we do in our offices, and we were even starting to do it back, you know, back in 2007 when we were up there uh, in D.C. with Dr. Amon, is we really saw a very high correlation between immune system dysregulations, which is really gut allergies, food allergies, and brain brain function. Oh, really? So, oh, absolutely. So you can see people. Most of the people that I see who have who have ADD, they've been diagnosed ADD, and people are just, as I could say, chasing their tail in the woods, writing different medications and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do. Uh, almost. Well, first of all, eighty percent of those folks, eighty percent of those folks, have a positive finding on immunoglobulin. G. What's immunoglobulin G? I call it the ghost immunoglobulin. If you get, if you have a peanut allergy or a shrimp allergy, and you eat a shrimp and you're gonna, your tongue swells up and you're gonna die or whatever, that's an Ig emergency. Ige. It's a different immunoglobulin. That's. It's 24, 48 hours. The person has a reaction. Huh. On the IgG, you can eat something and have no obvious reaction, number one, or, an obvi- or a reaction that comes up 10, 15 days later, you have no idea what I, caused yeah. it. Like, I don't know, like forgetfulness. It's like, a, it's like dominoes going through the mm-hmm. body. That's why I call it the ghost. And you can measure this with a blood test. And we, then we just change their diet, and we see this happen all the time. This We're just right on the while. edge of this, aren't we? We're just barely getting started oh, to understand yeah. it's this. It's so interesting, yeah. Let's do this. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Charles Parker. Do you have a minute to hang with us, about 15 more minutes? Sure, happy to. Okay, let's take a break. We're going to come back talking to Dr. Charles Parker about ADD, ADHD, and we're going to come back, wrap up the show. Uh, if you want, give us a call, 801-422-0143. We'll have time for one more caller. 801-422-0143. We'll give you a book if you call in and ask ask Dr. Parker a question. We'll be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's a nationwide contest for 10 waste disposal ideas where the winners can clean up. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Today's story is about, well, you. Do you have a unique idea for handling garbage? Besides avoiding your turn to take it out, I mean. NASA is co-hosting a challenge to identify 10 game-changing innovations that could transform waste management. 
The challenge is going on through mid-May, and it's called the Launch Beyond Waste Forum. Ten finalists will present their ideas in July at NASA's JPL Labs in Pasadena. Experts from science, business, media, and industrial fields will work with them to further develop their waste reduction ideas into a possible financed project. Nike is on board, as well as NASA, the U.S. State Department, and U.S. Agency for Internal Development. Launch showcases innovators and their ideas to solve the challenges of global sustainability. Can you think of some new way to reduce waste or transform it into something useful? Methods that can work in developing nations as well as industrialized areas? The organizers of Launch really want to hear it. And the more creative, the better. For more about the challenge, visit launch.org. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about ADD, ADHD, and what to do about it. Now, did you know, do you know how personally, now Dr. Parker's teaching us, do you know how to deal with ADHD? Do you know the signs to look for? Well, Bryce has some thoughts he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. Now, there's no way that ADHD is some new, sudden pandemic. It must have been around for a long time, but we're just now figuring out how the brain works and we're documenting behavior and applying science and making connections to patterns we keep seeing. But what does bother me is how we throw a dismissive classification at kids and then just move along with our lives like it wasn't anything. We see a kid and we'll say things like, they're absent-minded, or an airhead, a daydreamer, easily distracted, forgetful, their head's in the clouds, or they're inattentive, preoccupied, scatterbrained, a space cadet, or my favorite synonym that I found, wool gathering. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that was a word either. There's something to be said about how many words we have for this sort of thing. But as we throw out names like these, I worry that we might be overlooking a potential diagnosis that could save someone a lot of trouble down the road. The usual treatment is medication, but some of us like to shy away from medication. That's fine, it's your life, do what you want with it. But I'm curious as to what alternate methods of treatment you plan on implementing for one of these kids. Are you going to give them blinders like a horse? I mean, it'll be hard for the kid to get distracted by something if there's no way for them to see it, right? And some blinders can certainly do the trick. Or if they're constantly running around, you can get one of those things that go on the ceiling that you strap your feet into so that you can do upside down sit-ups and you could just lock your kid into one of those you see they're stuck they can't really break anything up there and after about 10 minutes they'll pass out so it's technically a win-win-win and that's pretty dang good or you could get them an energetic dog most dog owners will report that they get sick of playing fetch before the dog does but who knows what you can achieve if you turn a potentially adhd kid loose on that dog fair warning though i've seen a kid out fetch a dog before so this plan can potentially backfire and the kid might be the one bothering you to play fetch all the time while the dog is forming a bad habit of sleeping. Are any of these solutions ethical? Probably not, but what are we looking for here? Results or ethics? All joking aside, ADHD is serious business, and if it's left untreated, it can cause a lot of problems. We make a big deal about how it can affect school, but the problems can be all over the place. There can be lots of disciplinary issues. As a former teenager, I can confirm that lots of us hear directions and think to ourselves, yeah, I'm going to do the opposite of that, just to see what happens. But some kids just have trouble paying attention when they get directions from authority. Same sort of thing happens in relationships. You may think your significant other doesn't care much about you, but really it could just be that their focus is changing frequently. So let's not get paranoid and overdo it, but if you find a lot of people calling some kid over-energetic or a space cadet, maybe it's not a bad idea to go to the doctor. You know, just in case. 
All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Bryce Tobin's rant, and uh, it's always fun to hear Bryce's take on things. Really interesting too. There's hope, and we're gonna we're talking to Dr. Charles Parker, uh, who's the author of the book New ADHD Medication Rules. Um, and really, Dr. Parker, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Bryce did a great job. Don't you love it? Extremely important points. Yeah, I was like. He, he nailed it completely. It's there's hope. I mean, we this is. It seems like we're really now getting it, and it's just going to well, take a little time to teach it, explain it to all the experts, the parents. Well, I think is what's going to happen is the public is going to be reassured when they realize there is a science, and that people can apply that science explicitly. And when the public knows what that science is and can then discuss it knowledgeably yeah. and, and uh, really be and from an informed citizenry actually work the system with the medical team. Yeah, push your push your doctor on some of this new research. Yeah, because then what they there are a lot of people out there that would like to get it right. right. There are people that absolutely don't want to deal with ADHD just because they don't want that additional information. They don't want to deal with quote unquote as Bryce was talking about those kind of patients. Yeah. You know, so but here's the thing, I would just mention one other thing which you your audience would get a kick out of it was you know kind of a germane to the end of the last conversation. One of my favorite questions, you get a kick out of this, because, you know, I, I, I was originally trained as a full-on Freudian psychoanalyst. Wow. You know, I, I yeah. spent a bunch of bucks and a lot of time in Philadelphia with the, one of the best psychoanalytic institutes in the United States. And, you know, one of my, one of my trainers was a uh, president of the American Psychoanalytic Association. So we had a, it was a great tour. Right. So back then... The two questions that you asked a new patient that came in the office, psychoanalytically oriented, was two questions, very important, very delivered very deeply. (laughs) What are your dreams and what are your fantasies? That was was the thing. That's where you started. Yeah. (laughs) The starting point. (laughs) Yeah. Now my starting point, I don't ask it until I have a little bit of conversation with the person. How many times a day do you go number two? Is that's where you start? No, I don't start exactly there. But when I get down to physical medicine, I want to know that why. That's the doctor in you asking all of the medical questions. Well, and last time I checked, the body <laughs> was connected with the mind. Yeah. So if it is, and that whole GI system can be corroded, and it happens about eighty percent of the time, hmm. number two becomes a big deal. That's an indicator. See, but that's see, but in a way, that's medicine, right? That that it's makes sense medicine. to me. And it's a piece of cake. I mean, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sound a little bit like Doctor Oz, but I totally agree with no, the guy. I, yeah. I love it. it. That's science. I like that side of it. I mean, it just seems like we've been throwing darts at this thing, right? Just like, yeah, sure, you got it. What's the just? I've I've heard someone say, look, just give them some Adderall, uh, amphetamine, and um, you know, if it improves it, then you've got it. Yeah, that that is so frequently done, I, and that's crazy to me. Completely incorrect. Completely yeah. incorrect. Because you who know, who with a little amphetamine wouldn't do better, right? Yeah, I mean, who couldn't get a little pick me up out of? But use science, and uh, that's why I so appreciate. It. We have about one more minute, though, Doctor Parker. Give us some hope in your clinic. Just tell us a story. Somebody that that's really been able to turn this around and get their life back. Oh, gosh, it's hard because I have an immediate rush of so many people. I'll just say we see it every day. We have, I just had a woman come in today, and she's, she's said 
basically I am so completely different. I've seen her two times. Hmm. We got started right. I'm a micro-titration. What, what titration is a oh, technical word for dosing, and that's a whole other thing that we could perhaps talk about at some yeah, other time. Yeah, we're going to have you back for sure and do another show. I'd love to do the dosing conversation yeah. because that takes it down into a practical level. But we got her right in, in, in basically two visits. She's, her life is completely different. Well, it seems like the, the just, proper diagnosis is the proper dosing. That's the deal. And we got the serotonin and dopamine thing balanced, which yeah. is a whole other conversation. It's easy to do. It's not complicated. And then when you do that and you see it, then bingo. Her Boom. life has changed for the rest of her life. Yeah. That's no. a big deal. Well, and when her life's changed, her marriages can be changed, her family, Absolutely. and her children don't have to keep handing this down without knowing what it is. So they can find you, Dr. Parker, right? Uh, they can go get your book, New ADHD Medication Rules paying attention to the meds for paying attention. Uh, and they can just get that anywhere, Barnes & Noble, anywhere like that? It's going to be in the regular local bookstores in January. Right now you can get it from the digital stores by going to uh, Dr. Charles Parker. If you just type in Dr. Charles Parker or my other website, which is ADHD Medication Rules. Awesome. Good stuff. Dr. Charles Parker, thank you so much. A professional discussion about ADD, ADHD. Check it out. And really, go check out his website because we don't know enough about this. Also, we have one more book to give away. So if you're interested in getting that book, give us a call. 801-422-0143. 801-422-0143. We will give away one of uh, Dr. Parker's books. We just got to be one of the first to call. Thanks for listening to us. We'll be back tomorrow giving you more tools, more ideas on how to take your life back. The Handbook to Humanity right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 